Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Separated your deep ball from everybody else. My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in in, in high school. Well, welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. Zim, how you doing tonight, bro? Or how you doing? I guess it's well, that's what we can say tonight. It's almost about to be. Um, the sun's about to go out tonight. How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I, I I don't know, man. I, I I was telling you off the air. You know, this is the most um, skeptical I've ever been of a Bengals all season, and just because it's not it's not just free agency that can help this, and it's not just a draft that can help this, and you got everybody in our division going to the playoffs now, and. It just leaves us the odd man out. I've never felt so so far away from winning with this franchise. When people compare, when you told me about the guy comparing the Browns, so it's like, no, them dudes ain't been to the playoffs since since two thousand two. You know, like, and now they're going to the playoffs like eighteen years later or something, right? Or two thousand five or something was the last time the Browns went to the bank uh, to the playoffs. But you got to win. If they get a playoff win, what are we gonna say to them? I still say they've been losers all this time, and they're still losers, and they'll always be Bernie Kozars of the world, and I'll confidently stand on that. And the only reason why I can say that is because in the offseason, I never really felt like I was so far away. I never felt mm-hmm. like a Browns fan probably should feel like you're so far away from the roster. You're so far away from all these other people in the division. This is the first time I've ever felt like that, watching that 38-7. to seven, like It could have been worse. Like, say Lamar played that whole game. That's 50-something to to three or whatever the score. I don't even know what the score was, but whatever it was. That, but that's how I feel. I just feel like there's no coordinators. Like, I don't – and if you guys are just tuning in and you hadn't heard the news, they're saying that uh, – Elise was the first one to report this, but saying that Zach Taylor, some of the people on the staff, like Jim Turner, uh, the wide receivers coach, uh, Bob Bicknell, uh, Eason, the defensive line uh, coach – and also, uh, who am I forgetting? Jim Turner, Nick Eason, Bob Bicknell. I feel like there's one more person I'm forgetting. Singleton is going back to, like, the college ranks, though. Aren't the running backs coach? He's leaving and going back to the college ranks. But, but so these guys are gone. This is what we were saying they're going to try to do is, like, sell the team or, you know, like – uh, get the new coordinators in there and everything like that. But if, if Zach is the coaching guy that they're saying they, that he is, you shouldn't be that far out of both of those Baltimore games. Like, those games did not have a chance. Like, nothing about those games said anything. Uh, uh, Brandon Allen had a zero passer rating going into third quarter. Like, they didn't even get their first first down until, like, late in that game, you know, like, and then they had the one, then they get the one drive. And then what does he do? He's Zach Taylor's the situation. It's four from one. P Ryan's been falling down, getting two yards. You elect to click the field goal with three timeouts left in your back pocket. And you're trying to get the record for AJ green and stuff. Like he just doesn't understand if you leave all of this out the way, all these teams in the division have an identity. We have none. When he wanted to establish his identity as throwing, he didn't have the proper personnel in there blocking it. So you can't be a finesse all passing team. So when I look at it moving forward, we're going into the third year of the Zach Taylor project and he still doesn't even know who he is. That's yeah. Yeah. It's, Honestly, I have no words for that, man. Like like you said, that was just a refresher of how far we are away from competing in this division now. The one thing I will say is we didn't have Joe Burrow, but it just really showed a tale of two different teams. One team in Baltimore that's been focused for the past couple of weeks and coming in, taking care of business against bad teams and doing what they need to do to get to the playoffs. This still is somewhat of a letdown for them coming off of a season where – 
many of them projected themselves to go 14 and 2, 12 and 4. So for them, by their standards, which I did a, a show before the game with what a Ravens do with a crossover, he was saying that 11 and 5 was a disappointment for them. If they go into the playoffs and lose a game, then that's pretty much a bad season for them. But I mean, it still shows us that what a team like that, that just got into the playoffs this last week, week 17, how far we are away from that team. 11 and 5 teams in the AFC. Uh, divisional playoff race are teams making the playoffs. A team like the Dolphins that went, what, 10 or 6 is not making the playoffs. I don't think that we're close to winning 10 games with the pieces that we currently have in place. Even with Joe Burrow, with this coaching staff, I'm not sure if this team, if you bring the same team back next year with a few draft pieces, is capable. What they have to do to get to that level, I think, like you said, is spend that money in free agency. Spend it on the trenches, but even still, this coaching staff, like you got you got reports out that Urban Meyer is getting ready to join Jacksonville. He's already putting the staff together. I don't know if guys are signing up per se for that Zach Taylor coaching staff. Like if if I had a choice and it's like you've got a guy like Urban Meyer that's putting together a staff, people probably feel more confident in that simply because he's going to have some job stability for a few years, right? Even though Urban has never coached in the NFL, he's probably going to get a minimum of two to three years in that position. Zach was already on the hot seat this season, um, so that's going to be hard a hard sell. We saw how they struggled before when he first put the staff together to recruit um, this staff. So I just really honestly wonder, yes, we're getting rid of, of, of uh, you know, Jim Turner, a lot of these guys, Nick Eason, Who's coming in to replace them, though? And how can you sell them on this team with them coming in to replace them? I don't know. You're talking about a defensive line that didn't do well this season um, collectively. You know, there were some individual performances from Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard. But you got Geno Atkins with his way on out the door. you got a returning DJ reader. So you got stuff that you can work with. But you're also working with the team that's transitioning from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and it really painstakingly showed this season. I don't know who's walking in that can really fix that. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but that's a tall order to kind of fix that. The offensive line, another tall order to fix, and you're stepping into places where guys were just fired. Bob Big Nell, I'm not really understanding why they fired him, just in my opinion. I didn't really see the wide receivers this season as – as any kind of weakness. I mean, T. Higgins almost had a thousand yards receiving. Tyler Boyd was close to a thousand yards receiving. I'm not sure what what went on with with uh, the decision making there. I do. But I, I saw regression, but I don't think it's all him. Mm-hmm. But the right. failure, the failure. You're watching a guy. I know in my heart of hearts, and, I, and mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown is 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 progressing in his NFL, you know, career. I. If you would have asked anybody coming into the NFL, who's going to have a better career, Hollywood Brown or John Ross? I'm not sure. I think more people than not would have probably said John Ross just off the combine and with the results that he had in college. To watch him do what he did in his game early, there was a drop pass early in his game if guys were watching my live. To see them just use him in that aspect, just to run him out there on a deep post, to carry Jesse Bates over there with the corner with that speed, and not being and not figuring out a way to utilize that, or I don't know who that falls on, or or to to constantly see AJ Green open, but the assignment or something like some kind of miscommunication, and it carried over all the way even to today. Five targets, no catches. Every time AJ is open, quarterback throws it to a different location. Every time a pass is overthrown or something like that, you're seeing a lack of effort from some of the guys like A.J. Green throughout the year or whatever. I don't know if that falls on Big Nail, but the wide receivers never reach their full potential to me. Like, the results are there in a a lot of those different instances, especially with a messed up line. So you got to tip your hat off for the production that they have. Tyler Boyd and Higgins, had they played a full 16 games and everything, would have absolutely hit all of those records. But – there was a bit of regression, particularly A.J. Green. Even in this game, there were plenty of different times where I'm watching the opposition. Uh, Marquise Brown, they're respecting his speed. They fall five yards off of him in the line of scrimmage. At the same – on the opposite end of the field, A.J. Green is getting that same exact thing. And I watched Steelers games in the past where A.J. Green constantly just got the wide receiver just out in the flat, boom. 
beat this guy one-on-one. And now A.J. Green at this point in his career, maybe he can't beat the guy one-on-one, but it's open, and that's a catch. And sometimes wide receivers just need to see the ball in their hands. So from a game planning standpoint, scheming anybody open, wide receivers running the correct route, all this mismanagement of that all throughout the year, it, it to me it's just like a whole staff thing. And Bob Bignell thrived in 2018 in the red zone uh, when he first came here. So now we're going over to 2020, and AJ Green can't get one catch on five carry. I mean, on five targets, and and what is a game where they're centering most of the game, the targets around him, and, and he's open. I don't know who that falls on, and that's why it's like, I don't know, I don't know. It's so many. That, that's the problem. You talked about the off season, you know, like I think they'll be active again in the off season, but now uh, the pessimistic in me is just saying. That's not even enough. They could go bring in a bunch of guys like in, in free agency, just like they did in the defensive side of the ball. But the culture isn't there to go win, and the identity isn't there on defense or offense. And that, that right there alone tells me you're a year in a way in itself. And we're two mm-hmm. years into the Zach Taylor project, and he doesn't even know who he is. He wanted to be the Rams. He didn't succeed at that. He then went into a pin and uh, pull blocking system towards the end of last year just to come back this year to go into a power formation um, on some of their more successful games that they had, the only two successful games that they had this year um, where they dominated a football game. And it's just, I don't know. It, the, the front office will sell us on a lot of these guys coming in. But unless they bring in a, a Codwell somewhere like that's an assistant head coach, or like uh, uh, I, I saw the scenario where Brian Callahan's uh, father, Bill Callahan, comes in as the offensive line coordinator and assistant coach. Where if if it gets off to a rocky start, I can see them giving Zach the axe, and then you have Bill Callahan being the coach, who's been a head coach before. I can see a scenario like that appeasing the fan base a little bit too, and it puts Zach at a, on a short leash. But I just don't. I, the names that are popping up, like Joe Brady and the guys that I want they're going to be reluctant to give that much power to anybody like that. And as long as the front office is reluctant to give away their power and let their ego drive them to these decisions, I just don't see them turning this thing around. The reason why Zach Taylor is there is because he's grateful for the opportunity. You don't need a a head coach at this point right now that's grateful for the opportunity. You want somebody that's coming in here to win a Super Bowl, period. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean – at this point, I think we just have to watch how this plays out. I think that this this season was definitely a disappointment. You talk about the end record of four eleven and one. You know that's not that's not where we really saw things. Not saying we thought it would be nine and seven, but I think you'd be okay with six and ten. And I think it just brings it back to what you said: how far we are away from this division in terms of competing with the the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers. There's just a gap there, and if they want to compete in the AFC conference and they want to put this team out there and, and take the next step, they're going to have to do it at all costs. Now, what that's going to entail, I'm not sure. You know, this is a team that is a family-owned team. They don't have as big of a budget as, say, some of those big market teams uh, like the Giants and Jets, and I'm just naming those just because they're in big markets. They're trash. They're not good. But they just don't have those resources. So, They're just going to have to get creative in a lot of ways. I think even when it comes to the scouting department, it's not that you have to hire top-tier scouts. There's plenty of guys that aspire to work for, you know, pro football focus or guys that currently probably work at pro football focus or guys that currently work and are looking to do things in those scouting arenas that they could have in there as interns. So, you know, those those are creative things that they could do, I think, to try to get more input there, like to continually have the same scouts and stuff like that. And, you know, year in, year out, I'm not, I'm not saying that they haven't been effective in it, but you have to start trying new things. You have to start, start doing new things. And I think that you have to take advantage of all the resources that you can, especially in an era full of technology, full of data, full of all of these resources, you have to be utilizing all of that stuff, analytics, whatever it is, you have to utilize it. Um, and we just have to see how it plays out. We got to the end of the season. This is the biggest offseason, as Zim has said, probably in one of the most recent uh, histories or years of the Bengals, and they have to do what they can to figure it out. So we'll have to see how they figure it out. 
I don't think I've read a take that I've ever disagreed with so much before. This is guided to killing in the comments. He says, unpopular opinion. AJ Green was never like that great. He always gave up on Rouse or some nonsense. Like, wow. Bro, AJ Green is literally my son is four years old. He's the only player that he that he knows on the Bengals. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's it. Like to to say what uh what AJ Green is meant to this franchise. Average receiver. <laughs> I'm not even gonna entertain wow. the whole comment because it's silly. It's just that's just a preference. Like people get caught up in preferences on what they want from their wide receivers. You know, like maybe his preference is a hard-working Hushmanzada type of, you know, not the fastest guy, but A.J. Green is probably one of the most athletic uh, high-point-in-the-football wide receivers of all time, not he's just the thing. I mean, yeah, like, he's, 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 a living, he's a living legend. Anything less than that is just silly to me. Like, now, this is a guy that feel? was going to break Randy Moss's record. Like, the Bengals held him <laughs> back from breaking like, a <laughs> seven consecutive seasons of a 1,000 yards. Seven please, straight Pro Bowls. Like, please put the drink down. Please put the drink down. <laughs> the, like, like we, it's a little too early to be drinking that heavy, bro. Like, <laughs> go go get some help. Like, we, I understand A.J. Green is not what he used to be. Uh, by the way, shout out to everybody wearing your A.J. Green today. Yes, I put sir. a tweet out. I, I tried to get everybody on board like I could. Uh, I think the internet, every all the Houda Nation, everybody wearing the A.J. Green um, jersey. I just really felt hopeful for it. That's another part that makes me really, really sad is like, on one hand, I'm glad everybody appreciates him. And I know for a fact that A.J. Green has seen it. You, you want to know the craziest thing is? I was at uh, Universal Studios with my wife. Because um, I took her to 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 the Harry Potter experience or whatever there. Right. Why did I see someone wearing an AJ Green Georgia jersey walking around like the number eight? I was like, oh, he got the AJ like college joint on. That was that was pretty dope. But do do you believe? Let me ask you this, because people were asking me this, and they were like, Zen, why do you feel like it's such a foregone conclusion that AJ Green um, is gone? And mm-hmm. um, for me, you know what it is. A lot of fans operate on hope. I'm hoping that he gets out of here, honestly. And I'm only I'm, I'm I'm only saying that because I love the Bengals and I love AJ Green as well, right? But he deserves to be able to be a part of something. And I don't want them giving him some false hope, telling him that he's gonna be a part of the team and he's gonna get X amount of snaps or whatever. And we just saw a whole year where they didn't really do much at all to appease him to not let him go and be the GOAT and do everything that we wanted him always to be or have his chance at a at a ring will almost be criminal to me. No, I, I'm with you. I think, like, it's false hope because one thing that I noticed in the first half, one target the entire first half, like, with T. Higgins down, that was just disrespectful. <laughs> like, I don't even want, like you said, A.J. to even be in a position where he's being disrespected like that uh, with all that he's given to this franchise. He deserves to do whatever it takes for him to win or whatever is the best move for his career. Um, so, I mean, whatever that is, uh, I wish him and I know we wish him the best of luck. Um, send him a text wishing him the best going forward, you know, for him and his family, his career. And just thank him for everything that he's done with the Bengals. I'm sure that you talked to him as well as them, but just wanted to just thank him no matter how things play out, no matter what happens. You know, I'm always going to be an AJ Green fan. He's, there was never a more happier moment in my life, and I'm I, we tend, I guess, to be some of the younger Bengals fans. So, me myself, I'm 33. I never really got to live through the Munoz era per se, as being old enough to like recognize that. And this is no diss against them. AJ, Chad, Chad Ochocinco, some of the best Bengals players I've ever seen. But AJ is just one of the best people that I've ever seen in terms of being a role model, in terms of being a humble athlete, in terms of doing it at a high level, not really, you know, being a diva or anything like that. Committing to the Bengals when I came up in an era where Corey Dillon threw his pads into the crowd after the game and didn't want to be here. Talked about he'd rather flip burgers and play for the Bengals. The fact that this guy was willing to come here from the day that he was drafted he was ready to get to work. A lot of people were trying to get him to not come and play with us. He never bought into any of that. He stayed with us. He worked through everything that we had, the ups and downs, when other people were going to Super Bowls like Julio Jones and stuff like that. Stayed committed to this team. Wanted to retire a bingo. You had never heard that from anyone else before. When we drafted this guy, 
I remember watching like just the tapes, the highlight tapes, and I was like, I haven't seen anything this crazy since since uh, Calvin Johnson. And I was like, if we can get this dude, this is going to be special. And I think his career was special. But as a wide receiver, you can only do so much. You can't win. You can't have the command that Joe Burrow has or the control that he has of an offense when you're just a wide receiver. You can't choose the plays. You can't dictate what goes your way. And a lot of people for years, and I think Jeff Blake said it, we never even treated him or gave him like number one wide receiver treatment, even in his best years. He never had those Julio Jones sizable targets. He never had those Antonio Brown sizable targets. And he still put up major numbers. So I have nothing but, you know, the most respect for this guy. And whatever he does going forward, I wish him nothing but the best. And I'm sure, Zim, you feel the same way if you wanted to say something. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Um I, w- I I didn't really I didn't this is a week where I didn't you know reach out to him you know because I just wanted him to see all the love and all the people that appreciate him and one of the things in life whether it's a marriage or whether it's kids or whether it's anything like I think a lot of times people get frustrated with situations or they're not at peace with certain things when you over exude yourself or you put so much energy into something or train the way somebody does just to hear a guy like, not to pick on the guy, you know, like you're entitled to your own opinion, but just to hear somebody say, or like even think that AJ Green isn't a living legend. Like, like when people talk about goat talk, like he's really that. And um, I'm one of the proponents. I'm one of the people that are a big proponent of giving people their roses while they're still here. And I don't wait for something tragic or something to happen to say, you know, oh man, like, remember like that. Like, I want to congratulate people while they're there. And I made a conscious effort to make sure that people added him, make sure, you know, like I retweeted all these different things. Like, I mean, my DMs got so full, I couldn't even, I probably, I probably on my Instagram, I probably posted probably about 50 to 50 people. I pro- I have like 30, 40 more DMs of just AJ Green jerseys, you know, like, so I just don't want him to feel like, you know, like even if he's at peace with leaving uh, the Bengals, I want him to know that he's appreciated. And I don't have to say that, you know, like sometimes people, you know, like he he does. He said he goes on Instagram. I know he goes on Twitter and stuff and he reads comments and he might see people saying, man, he was he was a barely average wide receiver or something like that. And then you start to, you know, I've seen Bengals players in the past start to get really angry at some of the fan base, but they don't represent the whole entire fan base. And I just wanted to make sure people knew how important he was like to my life, uh, to the Bengals. You know, like when we talk about that playoff run, I mean, that's a big part of that is A.J. Green. <laughs> like he's he's one of the main reasons. I probably wouldn't be sitting right here if he didn't submit himself into the NFL and do the damage that he did to, to you know, heighten my stuff so I could talk my trash or or I could feel a certain type of way. You know, like that's that's maybe one of the reasons why I feel so, like, rough going into the offseason. Like, like I'm watching so much stuff at home. And I'm looking at like, you know, like I'm you did you see late in the game? So Hollywood Brown is their only wide receiver that they have to get the ball to. They don't have this conundrum of different people that oh, who are we gonna get the ball to this week, right? Hollywood Brown is literally the only wide receiver that has to get a target, right? When mm-hmm. when the when the defense starts to double up, triple up, or like you said, the hit uh, uh yeah, double up, triple up, or whatever. Jesse Bates shades over coverage to that side after that one bomb. That Hollywood Brown drops. What do the Ravens do? They adjust. Later in that game, they throw him, okay, you're going to play him five yards off. Boom, we're just going to throw it to him right there as soon as the ball snaps. I was at a – the last time that we beat Pittsburgh, before this time right there, the Le'Veon Bell game, go back and watch that game. They threw six wide receiver screens to A.J. Green. I never forget. I'm sitting in the stands. I said, as long as they play off of them, they're just going to throw the ball right there to A.J. Green. So, like, just the, just, just the instinctive things that this coaching staff lacks – it's just that the, it, it really makes me very nervous about pushing a narrative about the Bengals, man, we're going to be all right, guys. Like, I really don't feel like we're going to be all right. Like, there's so many things that they failed to do, or even in moments like this. You know, we were talking about this off the air. Fourth and one, 30-something seconds left on the clock, three timeouts. P. Ryan has been falling down, getting two yards. Travion Williams – Hadn't yet touched the ball yet, but the running game is solid enough to go get a yard. What does he do? Not enough hair on his nuts. Kicks a field goal. In the last game of the season, 
when the game is that that right there is where the game is lost. You kick a field goal, you go down what 17-3, as though three points mattered in a game like that. Even the commentator said, Does he think three points is gonna matter in this game? For for Zach to not have the instinctive things along the way in some of these games to steal victories. That's how you steal victory. Get a quick touchdown. Try to get a touchdown before the half. Give your team some confidence. Tyler Boyd and them don't even believe in you if you're going to do stuff like that. The momentum, the people that are most the most vocal, look at what that did to Tyler Boyd towards the end of the game. He's running his route. He's not, he's not, he's not angry anymore. He's just like, okay, we're ready to end the season. Like the body language and everything. And that's the most vocal uh, besides Joe Mixon on our team. When you get guys looking like that because your coach doesn't have the instincts and he's not a dog, it conveys and it goes throughout a whole team. That's why I'm like, in free agency, you can't just – I can't just say let's go get uh, Brandon Sheriff or let's just go get Tooney. That's not the answer. It's not just the players. Like, you got to have a culture that is is made. Like, the Ravens know – that they're going to run, 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 throw the ball deep, Andrew's in the scene. Every single game, you don't know when it's going to come, but it's going to come. If you start to come back and get us on some of that stuff, it doesn't matter. We're still going to just use Lamar Jackson's instincts to scramble. This is who we are, and this is what we do every week, and you can't stop it. There's nothing that Zach Taylor has done or established in two years that would that would allow you to feel like that. And, and then this is the point that I was going to say earlier, too. Say you do bring a Callahan in or say you bring in another coach as a coach's assistant or something like that. What good does that do? Three games into the season, we're 0-3 or something in 2021. I'm just I'm throwing out a hypothetical. And then you go fire Zach Taylor. Right. Why? Why keep on basing life on hope? Don't you want somebody with proven results? I want somebody that's got fire and passion and ready to go that's been there before. That's why when we throw out the scenario with, like, Harbaugh, I don't understand why we get so much push pushback. Your egos as a fan are just as big as this front office if you believe that Harbaugh isn't a step up from Zach Taylor. We're talking about a guy that's gone to a Super Bowl. None of you people that have even in, been in here were probably even alive for a Super Bowl from a Bengals uniform. So the idea that you could let somebody – that didn't do what you thought they were going to do in college football because he's a leader of men, not young men, you know, dictate how you want to, oh, yeah, now we'll be fine with Zach. Let's just go get Penny in the draft. Like, no, no. You need the hardball brother to go up against his brother because he wants to beat him more than life in itself. You need passion restored into this franchise. You don't need guys that can go home that never even been in this type of scenario. Harbaugh's living for the moment to go back to a Super Bowl. When we interviewed Hugh Jackson, he said, I'm dying to get back on the field. I just want to smell the grass. Wake up. That's why you, that's why Bengals fans, that's why Cincinnati sports, you look at 32, let's just, let's just go look at the Bengals, uh, I mean the Bearcats. 32, uh, big uh, Luke Fickle calls the stupidest call. Immediately, people start messaging me and say, Cincinnati's cursed. No, you keep on basing all of these choices off of hope instead of bringing the talent and the people that know how to get it done. And the front office is not smart enough to move the hell out the way and let somebody come in and show you how to win. They think by spending all that money this last offseason, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all patting ourselves on the back. We did a good job, guys. What happens when all those guys get injured? You're now four, what, four and tw- four, 11 and one, or whatever the hell our record is, or whatever. All those guys got injured because you didn't have anybody that had been there before that could elevate you to the next level. And the fan base follows suits and poo poos people like Harbaugh to suggest that Zach Taylor is a better option. A guy that wasn't even an offensive coordinator in the NFL, a quarterback's coach. And if you want us to learn on the fly with him, and I gotta, I gotta dress up in my stuff every Sunday. Just so I could learn on the fly with hope? Why not just give us somebody that knows how to win and can do it right now? Why do we have to suffer like that? That's the that's the most maddening part about being a Bengals fan and then trying to relay a message that we can win and the fans don't even want to hear it. You know, like because they're so stuck in their ways, like, oh, I'm an Ohio State fan. Yeah, yeah. Like hardball, like, like, dude, dude. Wake up. You need people that have been here before because there's nobody at Paul Brown Stadium that has ever been there that has even smelt a Super Bowl ring. So get somebody in here that does. Spend the money. 
and start making the moves and stop uh, basing your hope on getting draft picks and stuff like that. Fan base is so enamored of draft pick that y'all forgot about winning at the same time. What happens if Penny goes out with an uh, ankle uh, injury or something like that? What's your plan then? If you base everything off of one guy, you have to match the culture with the players at the same time, or you'll be lost in a sauce and you will be the Cleveland Browns. And then we'll come in here 10 years from now and say, remember when we used to go to the playoffs? Like, I don't, I don't think we're there yet, but it, it's on the way. If they, if they keep on thinking that, you know, like winning is not the most important thing and, and, and getting people that want to win really, really bad as much as we want to win, you know, like, that, I don't know. No, I think we're almost half the way there. I mean, 2015 was a very long time ago. It almost seems – it seems like it hasn't been, but ever since then, we have not had a winning season. And to really think about that is almost baffling and to kind of realize that we're now going into 2021 and we still can't say definitively if we're going to have a winning season. And that is insane to think that way or to even – understand that after this team went to the playoffs five consecutive years in a row and then it just breaks completely down like you said i just don't know when that's going to be are we going to be here for the next four seasons still saying that we haven't gone to the playoffs i don't know i don't know what has to be done for that i don't know what has to be done in order for i think 2026 to happen to keep this team in Cincinnati. I know people don't want to talk about it. I know people are going to want, want to bring up documents and legislations and all that. The fact of the matter is when you do not win in the NFL, like the St. Louis Rams, your team gets moved. Like that's, that's just what it is. Like people want to make money. People want to buy the teams. They want to sell out tickets. They want people to go to games. They want to sell merch and stuff like that. If you don't do that, Eventually, somebody's going to try to buy the team or try to move it somewhere where you can turn a profit. And in order for that to happen, you can't get it by keeping guys like Zach Taylor around that don't have high ceilings. You can't do it by putting all your eggs in one basket, like Zim said, on high draft picks that haven't completed a season. And I don't know how long every first round pick we've had has been injured. Like if you were betting Vegas odds on the fact that our our player that we pick next season is going to get injured, they probably would be pretty, pretty like neck. They probably will be negative 200, whatever that means. Like it's likely that it's going to happen. So to, to put all of that into one player and not a coach says everything. And we kind of talk about the rest of the, the division. And I hate the Steelers just as much as you guys. But think about this last season. The Steelers didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. They were able to win, what was it, eight games with two trash quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges, and they still were able to have a decent record. We can't say that for our team. If Joe Burrow goes down, if anyone goes down, there is literally no way that we're not going to be picking uh, without outside of the top ten. It's just not going to happen. So whatever they have to do to figure that out, whatever it, it is, and maybe it is good that we lost like this at the end of the season. Maybe that kind of takes away from the two wins that we did have before. But you have to do something that's going to put you in position to compete with your division first. And this division just sent three teams to the playoffs. You want to go to the playoffs? It starts in this division. And you got to win 10 games. You got to. You might have to win 11 games. I think the Browns, the Squillers, and even the Ravens, they all win 11 games, if I'm not mistaken. You have to win 11 games. We've only won four. Zach Taylor is not going to get you 11 games. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. You might want to say that I'm being a pessimistic Bengals fan or whatever it is. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it either. I mean, because the games that, like, the games where you could still and, – and, and I wanted to clarify, Luke Fickle has done an amazing job with Bearcats football. I wanted to say that, but – the third and two call was a really bad call, but that's a whole nother show. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't execute that point the way that I wanted to, but <laughs> like, it, it's just, yeah, I, I don't believe that Zach Taylor, when I watch the teams that go win games and go win, like steal games that they have no business being and people got on me about, I praised Doug Peterson or something one week or whatever, because I really like his book. I feel like that, that Super Bowl run is like one of the ones I like the best because it was pedaled to the metal, like, let's go get this guy, let's go get that guy. 
And it's like what happens when you have a coach that wants to win really, really, really bad in an ownership group that really, really matches that intensity and they take you all the way to the Super Bowl and the city comes with them. Philadelphia came with them and it was just so crazy to watch like that Super Bowl run. I really like that one. Um, but Zach Taylor, the, the thing that he doesn't do is elevate people when the time is there to be had. You need to go sneak and get it. When you know that you're totally outmatched, you got to understand that you're totally outmatched in that, in that matchup just by the first two possessions of that game. And when it, before it spirals out of control, you better do something to instill some uh, thing of hope. And on a fourth and one that you know you can get, that's not the time to kick the field goal. And there's no great coach at that moment right there that would have kicked the field goal. And I'm not limiting him to that one play. He's done stuff like that all year. They ha- they're a really good fourth down team. And he's gone for it on different instances where I maybe I didn't think he would and he got it. And sometimes he, I'm always like, yeah, you go for it and stuff like that. That's one of the, you know, one of the ways that great coaches do it. They steal victories, steal points, get the, the game reachable so that Lamar does get put in a tight situation. If Lamar is playing in a situation where he's got a nice, comfortable lead, the run game is going to take over you and it's going to run all of you. It's going to run over anybody. The only way to beat the Ravens, honestly, is to get them down to make them chase you because, like I said, they only have one wide receiver that's capable of beating, uh, you know, uh, deep coverage, you know, and that's and that's Hollywood Brown. And you know that coming into a game. That's why they use their, they use their tight ends so well. They didn't even have to use them today because the Bengals did everything to play into their hand on the defensive end, which is the reason why Lou Anarumo is probably gone. What do you think about Lou Anarumo? Um, his chances of moving he's, forward. He's, they got to move on. I mean, he's not he's not as bad as Terrell Austin, but he's not someone that inspires a game plan to know how to go against Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have a game plan for Baker Mayfield. Who, he made Baker Mayfield look like an elite quarterback. Uh, you know, he hasn't had anything really that was a major game plan. He had the one game plan against Ben Roethlisberger last week, but outside of that, he's not a guy that inspires – the brilliance of being able to scope out a game plan against a superstar on the level of Lamar Jackson against a guy like Baker Mayfield or anybody else in this division. And I think like someone that would be an example of that, even though he's a head coach is Mike Zimmer. Every game that Aaron Rodgers plays Mike Zimmer, he always tips his cap before the game because he feels, and he has that respect of whatever game plan Mike Zimmer brings against him. It's going to be one of the hardest ones that he has to get. You're never going to stop Lamar Jackson. You're never going to completely shut down a Ben Roethlisberger, but you need to contain him. Like, you can't have Baker Mayfield, a guy who was on the Andy Dalton diet, as I say on the AFC North Talk, for the majority of the season, and that's talking about having a throwing for 150 to 200 yards and not really doing much outside of that, come in and tear you up for 400 yards and multiple touchdowns. Like, that's that's not – when I look at just that, that's not a guy that I can have here that's going to inspire that my defense is going to play good enough to contain those guys or shut them down. So with that said, you know, I like Lou. I don't like him for the Bengals. So with that with that being said, I don't think that he's the guy moving forward. So one super chat that we have here from Cody Gunning, he says, for $5, Aiton Zim, what is your first move? Uh, when it comes to getting right, if you were both in charge, I want to see this team in Cincinnati after 2026. For me personally, it's firing Zach Taylor. I mean, I think that it starts there. I think that it's going after a guy like a Harbaugh or another coach or something like that. Um, if I were the owner, I mean, I'd probably look into getting, if you're not going to move on from Duke Tobin, get him a GM that's going to be able to work with him inside of that front office. I think that that would be another thing that I would do too with keeping him intact. Um, expanding that scouting department. But, Zim, what are your thoughts on what you would do if you were in charge as well? First thing is just a GM. It's just like the front office has to sit down with every with Katie, sit down with Troy, just everybody collectively sit down there. Maybe you bring Joe Burrow in there afterwards or something, but – you, you get input from the people that you know have to be a part of this. You know, like you get input from there, but the meeting has to be a look in the mirror from the front office and say, what have we done to make this the most enjoyable experience? Not, not financially, what have we done to get people in the building? What have we done 
to instill hope into a fan base or what have we done that's going to culturally transcend the city? And they will look in the mirror and say, we haven't done anything. The little bit of PR stuff, like bringing players back that one season for a little bit, like it's not enough. You know, um, the campaign with the black owned, although I love the designs and stuff like that, it's not enough. And, and the reason why I know it's not enough is because non-football fans don't know about any of these efforts. The only people that do know about it are people that are truly, truly invested into the Bengals like you are. It's not something that's taken over a city because they haven't implemented enough things. They haven't done enough in the city. They haven't done enough uh, from a culture standpoint, you know, and Duke Tobin is, is uh, you know, me and you kind of disagree on him. I still like Duke Tobin, but they still could use him, but they need a GM. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can get behind that. Like, I just, as I, was just as I was just saying it, like, if you want to keep Duke, which I'm on board with, just get him a GM to help him, like you said. Duke is somebody that I know because he has family ties with this. He's He has a, um, a vested interest that is outside of money, and I can trust them. Bengals fans, I get on Bengals fans so much about loyalty to certain players or certain people sometimes when most teams will cut ties or most teams wouldn't be as forgiven. Like the eight years that Dalton had, whatever, I live in the Washington area. They had have ran him out of here the, the year after he went to the playoffs. He would have been gone. I didn't watch them run uh, every good coach that, that likes – you know, everybody, you know, like I'm not even going to go through their names. Like RG3 at his, at his, you know, coming off an injury out of there. Like, you know, Bengals fans are different. And it took me some years to understand loyalty. But Duke Tobin is somebody, if, if I trust you, I, I can get behind you. Duke Tobin can stay, right? But he just needs a GM to manage all these other operational things and the logistics of a day-to-day and to get players on board with every single thing. The Carlos Dunlap thing is a tragic situation on how to not cut ties with a with a, a player that's meant so much to your franchise. That could have gone to the end of the year had they done it the right way. But instead, from a PR standpoint and a management standpoint, they didn't manage the situation right. Uh, people get on, hit me and say, "Well, Zim, he was putting, he was literally putting a depth chart on a, on a on a on a chalkboard or whatever." I'm like, "Yeah, because he he exhausted all his options, and he knew they were going to do exactly what they've done to John Ross: is shelf him, don't let him get on the field, and ruin all of your value." Imagine Carlos Dunlap now uh, versus with the situation he's with Seattle right now versus what he would have been looking at. Look at Geno Atkins. Had he not had he not be um, have the support of a contract right now, he would be sitting there looking like, who the hell is going to sign me? It'd be a one year deal and I better show out. Carlos Dunlap has now put himself in a situation where now his family for a couple more years now has like some breathing room to say, look, like there's going to be some suitors for me and stuff. Had that played out like the Bengals want this to play out, like how they just played it out for John Ross. It takes away all of your value. You don't get a chance to do anything. I'm all for players getting a chance to do something. And they weren't managed correctly. And nobody should wake up and find out that they got demoted on a, on a chalkboard. You know, like, and you've been that long tenured with the team. So the GM is needed. Uh, uh, identification of who we are versus the AFC North has to be established. I think that we're going to be the more passing happy team in the AFC North. Cool. So everything this offseason better be surrounded around block pass blocking before we even get into the run blocking. So then I automatically go back to, like, I don't want Tooney, I want Brandon Sheriff. Like, these are GM moves that now, like, Zach, what do you want to do? This is what, Joe, what do you want to do? And then, you know, like, I, don't, I just don't feel like they even have a plan. Like, the Drew Sample pick and stuff is just an indication of not having a GM because you don't know your personnel, you try to. You thought you were going to be the Rams. You get five weeks into the season and find out, oh shoot, we're not the Rams. We don't even need Drew Sample. Not that type of play. You know, like we could use him, but we should have never drafted him right there. And I think the average fan knew that at the time. But say you were set up like the Titans or the Ravens, Drew Sample might be arguably like you know the Taysom Hill or like the exclusive blocking piece that you need for your team. But he doesn't have that type of role in a spread offense. So that's why a GM is needed to marry up. You know, I trust Duke Tobin to a certain extent, but that's my first move, GM. 
I wouldn't mind them bringing in John Dorsey. Like, I would love to have John Dorsey in. Um, you know, he would be a guy that, that could make some moves that would be aggressive, but wouldn't be super, like, super financial um, hurting moves that will put us in a spot where we would be damaged by the cap or anything like that. I would I would definitely look into John Dorsey for sure. This is a guy that drafted Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, the list goes on. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb. All of those guys, like he literally put that Browns team together that's in the playoffs right now that we that we're seeing for the most part. So I would love to see him. I don't know if they're gonna look into him or not. Like even if it's just a consultant or something like that, I think that they should do it. Uh, but outside of that, was there anything that you wanted to say? Oh, one thing that I want to say is for all of those that are sending the super chats, I am the only person that gets the super chats because I have over a thousand subs. If you want to get Zim to a point where he can get super chats. You got to subscribe to the Zim Hude YouTube channel. Be sure to do that. If you can't do that, you need to go to ZimHude.com. You need to buy some merch. If you want to donate to Zim or you want to support Zim, please be sure to do that. I know that it's kind of a misconception because we had this show on here on my channel and his channel. But if you want to do that for Zim, please be sure to get him to a thousand subs on Instagram. Because I mean, not on Instagram, but on YouTube, because that will unlock that feature for him. And then if you just want to support him now, just go ahead and get you some Burrow Babies merch. Appreciate that, Ace. I really do. Like, yeah. Make sure y'all subscribe to Ace's YouTube and um, everything. Like, um, you want to answer some questions? Like, yeah, just sure. with New Stripe City, YouTube, everything. Like, just continue to support us, like, because it gets really, really rough uh, constantly coming on here. And you got to support a team and you feel like you got some question marks. Somebody said, what about, uh, John says, what about Urban Meyer? I don't believe in Urban Meyer in the NFL level. Um, some people do. I just don't think that – I've seen him blow up on players before. I just don't think some of our players will respond to it. But, again, it's an upgrade um, from Zach Taylor. How do you feel about Urban Meyer? I think Urban Meyer is, like you said, an upgrade. I think that it gets people excited and stuff like that. But you have to wonder – what is going to be like in the NFL uh, ranking. I mean, you're talking about a place where you can't necessarily have recruiting and things like that. But, you know, some players that have played for Urban, uh, such as uh, Ezekiel Elliott or guys like that, they may have played for him. They may have um, something that they can say or speak to about him. I know that he's also had a good receivers coach in the past up under him. I don't know where that guy is now, but he's put a lot of good notable receivers in the league. I think the biggest bonus that you get out of that is what kind of staff he's putting together there. Like are those positional coaches that he's going to bring with him better than what you have now? I would probably say, yeah, based off of that, just because if you're getting a staff that Urban Meyer may have had, he was obviously recruiting some of the top receivers uh, back in the day. And obviously those guys were kind of developing them for the NFL. So I would like his staff, but I'm not sure what he would do in the league. Just as Nick Saban, I don't think Nick Saban would be good in the league. And this is not to slight uh, Urban Meyer, but I think that you'd be taking a risk. But I, if you had a choice between what we have now and uh, Urban Meyer, yeah, I'd take that risk. I'd like to see what he could do. Uh, but outside of that, I think Zim's concerns are are um, solid because – the college, the college ranks in the NFL are two totally different leagues. And as soon as you start understanding that, the better off that you're going to be. Because even from a standpoint, as me and Zim kind of talked about, is you can talk to college players a certain way. You can't talk to NFL players a certain way. Because if I make $20 million a year and you only make five, what can you really tell me? And that's the unique standpoint that you have with when it comes to professional sports that those coaches have. You can't tell me this and that and talk about threatening to take my scholarship away because I make more money than you. And I can go and do what Carlos Dunlap did and get traded to another team who's still going to pay me and the fans are still going to love me. So you have to understand that the same rules that apply to college do not exist in the NFL. So it takes a special type of person to do it. And I think if Urban Meyer goes the Pete Carroll route where he's a player's coach, and he's just there to have them have fun, I think that he does it. But if you're going to try to come in and be real strict and, and act like you're talking to college kids, that's not going to work. I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I would take them, you know, like, to me, I think as a Bengals fan, you know, I just want to line up champion-type pedigree people, and I think they got to go out and do that, you know, um, 
just go get championship pedigree people. Like they have to build parcels the situation. And front office is just not gonna commit to doing that. Somebody asked the um I saw this earlier in there. Let's say the Bengals do get moved. First two part question. Do you want to see the Bengals get moved to a different location? Uh, oh no, no, okay. not at all. Not at all. all right. Being from the city, I, I feel like that's why I feel like that way because the Cincinnati Bengals are like the biggest connection to Cincinnati. Not too many people really know about Cincinnati, so I think that they're the only thing nationally that gives people that gives the city some attention. Uh, and then the other part of it was, do you, uh, if they were to move, would you still cheer for the Bengals? That's a tough one. I think that I still would just because I like I'm kind of different from the average person. Like I'll still watch some NFL games, but there is not the same energy for me or the same attention span or the same interest in watching those games like this NFL season to me just ended. Like I'm not watching. Like I generally don't even really watch like the afternoon. Nah, you got to watch some games. Let's watch. Um, a, let's watch a playoff game. Let's go. watch. Matter of fact, let's live stream. Um. Uh, I've had to watch the other the other game teams in this division like nah, games just because of that. But Steelers have to play the Steelers got to play the Browns. This live stream, <laughs> like I, somebody yeah. asked me, am I going to live stream a playoff game? I might live stream the Steelers and Browns. You know, like I feel like that's a good game. Me, and you talked about this off the air too. Is that uh, what with that bad game that we just had? Like I might take a week where I just. You know, I might not post that much. I need to step back, kind of watch some stuff. But in the midst of it, I'm damn sure gonna watch some playoff games, and that's right. a really, really uh, big matchup because it. I feel like the changing of the guards and what's going to happen in the division and stuff. Even though the Steelers only lost four games this season, it's a, it's a big be a one done, one and done. I think that was like, a like it's a big it's a big off season for them. I think that was a mistake for them, like. Uh, losing to the Browns today, like, and I said that on the show. I like, I think, I think we did that against the Texans. You remember that? It was like we played the Texans at the end. Remember, of the, season. remember the Jets? Remember the Jets game? The Jets, we let the Jets win, I and then that. yeah, that, it's just not smart. But I, I think Pittsburgh is one of the Ocho Cinco. That Jets playoff game is one of the ones where you were. If if I had live, if I was live streaming games back then, I was furious. Like oh, it, Bernie is cold, bro. Darrell uh, Revis against him. If like the body language, like Ocho Cinco just looks so scared. Like I, I wish I could show people that game. Like I remember that game. I was I so that upset game. at that game. I was, I was, I was, was so much better than them. That was remember Lavernius is cold, though. Like yeah. everybody wanted him going after that game. Right. But yeah. He, to lose to Mark Sanchez, the butt fumble guy, like that's that just wasn't a good look. Just wasn't a good look. Uh, but one thing that I do want to say is we're still going to try to come to you guys once a week. We might take a week off, like Zim said. You know, after you go 4-11-1, you kind of got to step back, reevaluate everything, start to kind of get into the draft. I know you guys want us to know and, and talk to you guys about the draft. We got to take that time to kind of do that research. Black Monday is coming, like Lindsey Patterson said. Shout out to Rob Volat. I hope that I said that, that. I hope that I said that right. Um, so there may be something that we can cover next week but we're gonna have to take some time and evaluate everything but we just want to say thank you especially for the, this crazy year that we've had i want to say thank you to zim and shout out to him for being a, a dope partner and i appreciate everything that we've done together my guy i appreciate all the success that we've had a lot of this you guys don't know this but a lot of the interviews that we've gotten have been because of zim working behind the scenes to try to get some of these notable players on here so please be sure to give him his flowers and i want to give him his flowers as well for that for pushing the culture and this content and this podcast to the next level. And we just want to thank you guys for all of the support for rocking with us and, and everything like that. Zim, is there something that you wanted to say? I want to appreciate, I want to say I appreciate you for, you know, the opportunity to work with you because, you know, like I remember the first time that we ever talked like probably like on live and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, you know, like I seen you before, but I'm like, I don't know about this guy. He, he, like I got to get him over here out of this dog, like, you know, that was like prime, like, let's get out of Dalton world, like, and I remember right. the first time I ever went live with you, so to see it flourish into this, like, I really appreciate it. Some of the stuff you do behind the scenes is really, really, really good, and I tell you what, I feel like, you know, why is it muted? Nah, you good. Go, go one, one thing I could say from this whole thing is that I feel like we are just getting started, like, I feel like now that the off season's here, uh, 
some of the stuff that I was kind of letting off on some of these interviews that we're supposed to do, I'm about to apply some pressure to some of these guys. So <laughs> now that they ain't got no excuse to play no damn football, we about to apply some pressure. So don't think just because it's the off season or whatever, like we ain't coming with some interviews. I got some people lined up. So um, we're going to apply some pressure and we're going to keep this thing working. Please send us ideas and stuff because one thing that I do know is that when I started my pages, I did this on the strength of I wanted to be a representation of the voice of Bengals fans. And I also wanted to motivate just off of daily life. A lot of stuff that I talk about is just uh, stuff that I, I come up with monikers, little weird stuff. I'd be like, quarterback your life, get a quarterback and all these different things like that. But I take a lot of ideas from Ace as far as like how we can uh, what, it, what, what should we be looking at or who should we be looking at or different things like that. And a lot of stuff that I post is predicated on fans showing me stuff. So don't stop sending me stuff. Give us ideas on what do you want us to see? Because one thing that I want to be known and I wanted to put out in the universe is that me and Ace 100 percent deserve to be at Paul Brown Stadium in some capacity. Like, I don't know what that entails, but I really feel like that. And I don't want to say that in an arrogant standpoint. I just feel like we represent the fan base so much that they need a voice. And and we're intelligent enough to handle ourselves there. And I'm not going to flip out or do no crazy rants, but I think that the Bengals fans deserve to see us, like, that close to the team and feel like they have a voice. And I don't ever want to get away from that. So we need to make sure that you guys are still sending us ideas and different things like that. If you have connections to anyone there, get us there. You know, like, you know, we appreciate anybody that wants to help us because as long as we move forward, we're going to be coming through answering y'all questions. We're going to represent. And I cannot say no fake stuff on here. Uh, there's been opportunities that were probably presented to Ace. I know people presented some stuff to me. It was really fake. I didn't want to do it because I knew I wouldn't be doing a service to the fans. So I'm going to continue to do that. And I just need you out, you guys to just keep on loving the team. And we can get past some of these things that I'm that are, that are worrying me right now. I just need to see some stuff. And that's why I think it is a really good idea. I take a step back after a bad loss like that and just kind of evaluate some stuff. Because right now, I just don't feel too confident. And so – Pray for me, guys. <laughs> like I just, I just don't want to be the Browns. Life of a Bengals fan, bro. Like, life of a Bengals fan. But, but normally, you know, I don't feel like that. I just be like, bro, this is all we got to do. We got to, you know, get that. I don't feel like that. Like, for the first time, it's like a smack in my face. It's like, it's not just talent. It's, it's something beyond that that I'm witnessing, like, right in real time. And I feel like the opportunity is, is, is wide open. Mm-hmm. If Ben is going to be shit in the bed and games like that, you know, and they're going to continue to never lose, right, and always be, like, eight and eight, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And then they elevate themselves. Like, that's what we want. I feel like that's our window right there. Joe Burrow's got a four-year window. That's what we want. I'm so sorry. It's so tragic that his leg got hurt. But maybe it's a blessing in in disguise that we we can't see right now. But the four-year window, like, I'm not scared of the Browns. Like, I know what they want to do. I know how we could beat them. The second time we played them, we should have beat them. We should have beat them both times, really, honestly. Right, right, right. The first time, I feel like they controlled the game, but that's a game that we could have stole from them because, you know, at the end we made it look better than – I think it should have been a 10-point, you know, victory. I think we got it close within seven or something like that. But, like, that's a game where Lou Anarumu failed us, right? The second game he failed us again because of the coverages and the press man that they went into. So, like, if you look at it, sometimes there's some small things that I'm like, okay, I, I, I got the plan. We could do that. But ultimately, I do see a window of opportunity. The people that need to be in place of Paul Brown, they just aren't there right now. So it's hard for me to try to convince or even convince myself. So no, that's, that's, that's real. We got a dope idea here from Josh uh, Holland. He says that y'all should go to the combine this year. That would be awesome. That might be something that we could do, whether it's whether it's camps or something like that. I think it would just be dope to kind of rub shoulders and stuff like that with maybe some notable coaches or some some players that we might like. If it was like a Keem Davis Gaither or something like that last season, that would be some dope thing to do. So we'll definitely go to the drawing board, obviously. With uh, the C-list stuff going on right now, we'll have to see what those restrictions are. But if things are opened up, I'm definitely down with, like, going in, into that. And I know me and Zem plan on going to the draft 
uh last right. last season. Like that would have been major. That would have been major. But see we'll, you, bro. we'll get things figured out. But we want to appreciate you guys for rocking. Zen, was there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Just just stay patient, guys. Uh, you know, same same message I have. If you're feeling bad, feeling down, don't take it off of anyone around you. You know, lean on the people that love you the most in times like this, especially like this, because I get caught in that. I'm such a fanatic with football and this team that sometimes I get down and stuff like that. But you got to lean on the people that are close to you that love you the most and focus on the positives. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the positives. And I'm going to get out of this little funk I'm in right now because right now I just don't I just don't see the path. But, you know, like lean on those people, get ideas, listen to people and just live your life. And, you know, we're going to come back strong. It's just they got to They got to do some stuff. Joe Burrow interview is going to happen. That's that's going to happen. Like that's 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 on my bucket list. And and part of it is timing. But that's going to happen. The combine. Should happen. The draft absolutely will happen. Appreciate everybody for wearing your AJ Green today. We didn't get the, the record, but maybe there's an underlining thing that we don't know about, you know, with that too, that we're going to find out later. So, you know, I appreciate that. And I know for a fact, based on AJ Green viewing my story, different things like that, I know he's seen all of that stuff. So you can keep on sending them in. As soon as we finish this, I'm going to keep on retweeting it. Um, all of your jerseys and stuff on Twitter, Instagram, and everything like that. Make sure you follow uh, Ace New Stripe City, Twitter, YouTube, uh, ZimHooday.com. I still got 25% off. Coupon code is Queef, Q-U-E-E-F. Uh, just, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, Mark, she's got a Burrow Babies hoodie on. That looks cool. I like that hoodie. Yes, sir. <laughs> Right. All right. Appreciate you guys. This has been the Orange is the New Black podcast. Who that? Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.